eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, whom do, you, whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth, and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders, and of the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he spake that, that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as you all know, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Sometimes it only dawns on you later how much the world was changed on any one day. But I think on that day, most of us had a pretty good idea what we were witnessing. Uh, we remember uh, for those of us who were alive at the time, where we were when we first heard of that first plane flying into the World Trade Center. For the previous generation, it was immediately compared to the Kennedy assassination and generations before that, Pearl Harbor. And for good reason. The world did change that day. We were collectively horrified at the brazenness and the evil and the brutality of our enemies. As a pretty naive 21-year-old, I had no clue that radical Islam was any real threat to our way of life. Were it not for the events of the past few months, 9-11 might have been more of a painful memory whose evil had received a firm answer. You attacked us in our way of life, in our sovereignty, and not only did we respond with might, but also with an olive branch to demonstrate our way of life around the world. We had gotten pretty used to the idea that the forces behind 9-11 had been quieted, so we could worry about other things. 
and there's always something else to worry about. But given the events of the past few months, we are again face-to-face with an enemy that we really hadn't heard much from in a while, an enemy that has grown in numbers, made strategic alliances, and really set into stark relief our differences of worldview. And all of that means that we're thinking about radical Islam yet again in a way that maybe we haven't in years, which means we should be thinking about the foundations of the West again, for that is why they say they hate us, which means we really ought to be considering our Christian distinctives again, for what really divides The West enjoys a way of life that is the fruit of the confession of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. It is a way of life that cannot be understood apart from this confession of Christ. But I think a lot has changed since 2001. That's the thing about anniversaries, right? It's an opportunity to look on uh, the way things were 20 years ago versus the way things are today. Certainly in 2001, our country was far from perfect, but I don't remember there being strident voices at the time against our country. America was not thought to be irredeemably evil then, but many seem to think that today. We have not only a past to outrun, but we also have a founding to outrun. So in the eyes of many, it's simply time to start over. And an anniversary like yesterday, you see, it forces these questions. It brings them to the forefront because we have to think again about who we are, why people hate us, why we might have to be at war. It forces us to think about who we are as a civilization. You see, every civilization should have, and really I think does have, deeply held core beliefs that are held so deeply we actually forget where they came from. And they're held by so many people that we sort of take them for granted. In the West, you can trace our most cherished beliefs back to the question of our gospel today. Who do you say that I am? The West is what it is because of the answer to that question. If Jesus is the Messiah, as Simon so bravely said, then he is the Savior of Israel. That's what the Messiah was thought to be, was said to be, the Savior of Israel. And he accomplished that salvation through his death and resurrection. His death and resurrection, it was for the forgiveness of your sins and for us collectively as the church, for our sins. It brings about the promise of everlasting life. And as that message traveled those very well-built Roman roads and eventually crossed the Atlantic to what we now call the West, a culture was deeply formed. It was formed by this new hope that it possessed of resurrection. A new commandment was given that we love one another. The ability to be reconciled to God and one another was offered. The image of a God seeking lost sheep or lost sons was just part of our our nomenclature, our vernacular, our way of seeing the world. 
the lifting up of women and men, of the poor and the rich, of the minority and majority cultures alike, was a thing. In short, a society that values freedom, human rights, uh, equality of value among all people, those things flowed from belief in this God, that he had fully revealed himself in the loving and just person of Jesus. That was our answer to the question of, who do people say that I am? And it made all the difference in the world. But beyond ethics, there are theological claims that differentiate cultures. For example, Jesus is not just a prophet, right? He didn't just speak for God. He actually was God in the flesh. He bore the sins of the world. He really did die on a cross. It wasn't just someone who looked like him. Uh, he really did rise from the dead. He bodily rose from the dead, not only spiritually rose from the dead. And he demands, he demands absolute loyalty. Loyalty above false prophets. Loyalty above the state. Loyalty even above our love of our own life. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Now, I fully understand that when Peter confessed Christ as the, well, Christ is Messiah, those words are the same. When he confessed Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, okay, in that moment you did not have the creation of Western civilization. That would, of course, take centuries. And it would come in, in fits and starts with many detours from progress along the way. The West never was and never will be perfect, not even close. But I think it's hard to argue with the progress of science, medicine, human rights, uh, education, that would ultimately spring from the confession and person of Jesus. Because there can be no real confession of Christ without the lifting up of women as equals in the home. There can be no real confession of Christ without understanding the humanity of the slave or the unborn. There can be no real confession of Christ without striving for compassion and joy and peace. I mean, of course, those things can happen superficially, but my argument is that they wouldn't be real confessions of Christ as the Messiah in the way that Peter confessed Christ or Jesus as Messiah. And so in the wake of Peter's confession, the realities uh, of that confession emerged, and we built a civilization around them. I would uh, agree with our enemies that we have taken advantage of our liberty. We have so much freedom, we don't know what to do with it. We are no longer a very disciplined people, living within our means, seeking virtue, living modestly, or building civic institutions. We often, as Luther called those new Lutherans when he went out into the German hinterlands, this is in the introduction to the small catechism, he found that they had all the freedom of the gospel, thanks to Luther, but they have none of the discipline, none of the virtue. He called them filthy swine. I would never say that about, about us, of course. But that critique of our society may be for another day. But on such an anniversary as this, we have an occasion to say 
Who were we then, and who are we now? Who do people say that we are? Both as a society that must constantly defend itself, and we must, and as people who claim Christ as Lord. My concern is that we are defending a Western way of life, values like freedom or liberty or pleasure, but we are at the same time undercutting the radical claim of Jesus as Lord and Messiah and God that undergird all of those things to begin with. That is what has, in my mind, changed in the last 20 years. We have cut much deeper into the branch that we are perched upon. And any more cutting, you know, there's not going to be anything left to sit on. Every poll indicates, and a lot of anecdotal experience tells me, that the thing that distinguishes the West from all those who would defeat us is this confession of Jesus Christ, and it has significantly faded in the last 20 years. To know who we are, why we fight, if we must, and I hope we don't, but if we must, and what our very society has been and by God's grace will be, look no further than Peter's confession in the Gospel of Mark. By God's grace, that is who we are and who we will always be, people who confess Jesus as Lord. For in the wake of that confession is our only hope for the life that we want. Or do we want all of the fruit with none of the cost, right? Are we willing to tie our life to that confession? That's the question that's before us. How we answer it will determine the next 20 years of our national life. May God grant us grace and peace, and dare I say, revival, so we will know who we are and why. Amen.